0: Growing up, did you happen to have a friend in your life that might, you know, get upset and threaten to to leave you and never be your friend again if you didn't do what you want? Or maybe were you that friend? like you know I'm gonna take my ball and go home sort of person. I was thinking about this just this morning and I was thinking about you know a group of, uh, in middle school how the group of us would play ball hockey almost every day after school and we always played outside this one kid's house because he had the hockey pads and the hockey net and for the most part it went okay but every once in a while things didn't go his way and he literally would grab his net and drag it into his driveway and put it in the garage and close the door and it was it. He, he took his hockey stuff and he went home uh, and it, it, it kind of was like the friendship kind of came with a bit of strings atta- attached. There was a condition that was there, like, you know, you, you kind of made them happy or you didn't get to play. Now, for kids, this behavior is not uncommon and it's not unexpected, right? It's part of growing up. It, 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 it's, we work through this, hopefully. Unfortunately, we know that as adults, we still have these relationships where sometimes it feels like there's strings attached, where there's conditional elements to it. And if we're, you know, we're wise, we realize that's, that's not healthy or that's not good. Now, unfortunately, as, as Christians, we can have a reputation to have, be, you know, for our goodwill sometimes to be conditional or to have strings attached. And we would say, you know, the, you know our, our willingness to assist other people might come with, you know, expectations, and this came came up in a conversation that I had with a local organization like a year or so ago about our church's involvement in what they were doing. See, there's an organization in our city that does some really good work to help people uh, who have some really practical needs. And the concern that the staff, the two staff people looked me in the eye and they said that their concern was about me as a pastor and us as a church is that if we got involved in what they were doing, that we as a church might expect that the goodwill that we were offering other people, that we would expect that... You know, those people would have to come to our church that we might view our goodwill as being conditional, that there might be strings attached. And I kind of said, No, like, that's not what we're about. And I kind of thought, that's kind of strange. But then I came across another story this week about somebody else who talked about their experience working with another Christian organization who was going off to do humanitarian relief in response to a crisis, a natural disaster, a number of years ago. And, you know, that's good, right? But there was a string attached. There was a condition that before some of the people could receive the aid that they needed, they had to sit down and listen to a gospel presentation before they could receive the help that they needed so it seems like strings attached isn't isn't that you know having strings attached isn't that uncommon but this morning i want to ask this question you know what if helping others is not about getting a desired response but is about living out who god has called us to be what if helping others is not about getting a desired response but it's about living out who God has called us to be. And so this week and next week, we're gonna the focus of our teaching time is going to be about unpacking, you know, what is our motivation when it comes to how do we engage in opportunities to meet the needs of others? And let me say up front that this is about more than Halloween for hunger. Yes, Halloween for hunger is coming up. And yes, that kind of prompted us to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. But it's bigger than Halloween for hunger. And really, it's about us stepping back and examining what is our motivations when we have opportunities to engage in things like Halloween for Hunger, maybe together, but even as we have opportunities to, to meet needs when we meet, uh, as individuals, when our need comes our way. What, is, what motivates us to respond? And so this morning, we want to talk about how it's good to, res- to respond to the needs of others out of a genuine compassion. With our big idea being that when compassion moves us, that we are reflecting the heart of God. When compassion is what moves us, we are reflecting the heart of God. And so to begin, we want to look at how compassion is a part of God's character. It isn't just something that God does. It is, compassion is who God is. Now maybe you've had an experience, maybe even with these name tags, where you've had somebody walk up to you and say, hey, nice to meet you. Tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself. And that right there, that invitation is an invitation for us to to speak and to share about ourselves the things that we think uh, will help them understand who we are. And if I were to ask you that question this morning, you know, some of us might start by talking about our age and the grade that we're at in school. while others of us who are a little bit more, a little bit older might talk about our careers or the, and the fam our families, maybe our grandkids were come up, or others of us might talk about our hobbies or our interests. We would just talk about the things that we think are unique to us or or help that would help the other person understand who it is that we are. Well, in Exodus chapter 34. God is talking to Moses, and he takes the opportunity to tell Moses a little bit about himself, because he wants Moses to truly understand who God is and what God is about. And in everything that God could have said, and he could have said a lot, right? I mean, God, tell me a bit about yourself. Well, how much time do you have? In everything that God could have said about himself, he says this, and he says, That's the Lord passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, "The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin." You know, God doesn't start by talking about His might or His power, but the first thing He has to He has to say about Himself is to describe His compassion. And this statement from God is not just mere words, but, it's, but it, as we look at who God is, and starting in the book of Exodus, we, talk about, we see God as being compassionate. In Exodus chapter 3, God talks to Moses about how he has seen the suffering of his people who are slaves in e- Egypt. And not only has he seen this, he has heard their cries and he is concerned about their suffering. He's concerned for their well-being. And this awareness of their suffering uh, moves God to act in compassion. And in the following chapters, we read about how God's compassion is acted on as he rescues his people from slavery. See, because God is compassionate, he acts in a way that responds to the needs of others. Because he is compassionate. Now, this character trait of compassion is something that God hopes will be a part of his people will be a part of the character of his people. And, and so as we read through the Old Testament, we see that compassion is expected to be a part of the DNA of God's people. You know, as God works to, with the freed Hebrew slaves, he gives them some, a series of laws that were to shape and to order their lives, everything about their lives. And many of these law, laws are about how they are to relate uh, to those people who could be easily mistreated or taken advantage of. Here, let me just read two examples. Exodus chapter 22. It says, do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. Or Deuteronomy chapter 27. Cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. You know, God knows that in any society that there will be those who are vulnerable and at risk. And his expectations of his people are that, you know, his people are not participants in, 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 in causing harm to people who, are, who you know, could easily be taken advantage of. In fact, It's God's desire that his compassion become a part of how his people relate to one another in some really practical ways. And so again, from Deuteronomy chapter 24, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf or a bundle of grain, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. You know, the temptation for us is to maximize what we can get for ourselves, to maximize profits, to maximize our savings, to maximize our our pleasure and our our experiences, to get what we can for ourselves. But here, God is telling his people that compassion looks like not taking everything that you can, but rather to ensure that in their patterns of work that they're making available resources for those who have needs. And in this case, The instruction is to those who who are farmers is like, hey, leave some behind on purpose so that those people who are poor can go and they can gather for themselves what they need. Don't be selfish. Don't take it all. Make provision for others in your pattern of life. Now, we're just skimming over a whole bunch of different stuff here this morning, okay? Um, and we could spend a whole lot of time looking at the Old Testament and God, and, and God being compassionate God in the Old Testament and his expectations for his people in the Old Testament. But I want to jump ahead to, to the words of the, some words from the prophets because as we get to the prophets, we realize that God's expectation that his people would deal compassionately with others, it's, it's serious, In fact, many of the the harsh words that God has for his people is because they have not acted in compassion towards others like they ought. In fact, they've they've started to take advantage of those who could be considered vulnerable people. And so we run across this in Malachi chapter 3. So I will come put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, if my people don't treat those who are vulnerable fairly, you have to answer to God. All right, so we've kind of turned here from God's compassion, God being a God of compassion, to God's expectations of his people here. And that's kind of on purpose. We're gonna, and in a few minutes, we're going to get to Jesus as Jesus shows us who God is in just a f- couple moments here. But there's a reason why God expects his people to act in compassion because God's desire is that for his people that we would see God's character and we would seek to emulate it in our own lives. God says, be holy like I am holy. God says, be merciful like I am merciful. You know, we are to look to God and his character, and we are, as his people, to be looking to say, how can I make his character a part of who I am and part of my relationships with others? Because compassion is a part of who he is. And so as we continue to seek who God is, we make our way to Jesus. Because again, as we look to Jesus, we are seeing God. The author of Hebrew says this, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being. That reminds us that God is the best, most perfect way for us to understand who God is. That's right, of Jesus is the best, most perfect way of us understanding who God is. And if we have questions and we have doubts about God, we look to Jesus to help us gain clarity and understanding. And so this morning... We want to look at how Jesus shows us God's, what God's heart of compassion looks like. And again, we can spend a whole lot of time here, okay? This is a two-part series. This is a series with two sermons in it, okay? We could spend a lot of time, and we're not this morning. But we're going to look at, make three observations this morning, and we're going to look at three examples from the life of Jesus. The first is that Jesus shows us that compassion is not dulled by the needs that we encounter. In Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has been very busy. If you read through Matthew chapter 9, he does a whole lot of stuff here. He's given sight to some blind men. He has raised a, a child from the dead. He has healed someone who's been paralyzed. And in everything that he's done, he's managed to get criticized by, by the religious leaders who are saying, Jesus, why are you doing that? And what are you doing? And who are you to do all these things? And yet Jesus has accomplished a whole lot of things. And yet, in everything that he has done, the needs keep coming. They just keep coming and coming and coming. But j- this is Jesus' response. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. You know, I don't know about you, but it isn't hard to be overwhelmed by the needs that seem to exist in our world, there's just lots of them. Every day we hear about somebody who's struggling. Every day we hear about a family that, that is on the verge of collapse. Every day we hear about a need that's not being met in somebody's life. Every day we hear about some sort of crisis happening in the world. If we just we just keep hearing it and you know, it's not hard to become uh, you know to to be, become numb to it because the list seems to be so big. And it can dull our feelings of compassion if we're not careful. But that isn't what it means to be compassionate. You know, rather, Jesus shows us that compassion is about seeing and feeling the needs of others. And I think we see this in this passage here. The needs were many. The people kept coming and coming and coming, and the work was never going to be done. And to be compassionate means that we will continually feel the needs of other people. And I think we should keep in mind that having a broken heart that feels the weight of suffering around us, that feels that suffering... That's not weakness. That actually is godliness. Because God feels that. A broken heart that feels the weight of suffering is not weakness. It's godliness. Second, Jesus demonstrates compassion when he asks people what they need. Another time, Jesus and his friends, they're they're traveling and a large crowd is following Jesus because there seems to be the sense, hey, Jesus, there's there's this guy, Jesus, and he's a big deal, and maybe he's the guy that's going to lead us to freedom. He's going to be our political savior. He's going to be our military savior. Maybe he's going to rescue us. And along the way, these two blind men call out to Jesus because they want his help, but the crowd turns and they they shush him. They say, be quiet, because in their mind, Jesus is too big for these two men. But Jesus stops and he speaks to them. Within and of itself is an expression of his compassion. You know, Jesus is not too big for these people. He's not too big for these lowly men, despite what the crowd think. But what stands out to me in this exchange is something that we see Jesus doing at other times too. See, Jesus says, what do you want me to do? You know, sometimes the temptation is to assume that we know what other people need. And often, we're right. But here we are reminded that there's something humanizing and therefore compassionate about asking the question, how can I help? What do you need? See, the act of inquiry moves us from being a dispenser of good deeds to somebody who has stepped into the experience of another person, And in stepping in and asking that question, that is when compassion is best expressed. And after Jesus hears these men tell him that that they wanted to see, Matthew records these words, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and they were healed. Lastly, Jesus shows us that acts of compassion can be the result of our emotions, and that's okay. Okay. Let's look at Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 11 to 15. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. You should read that verse slowly, because it develops. We're going to get to that in a moment and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier that they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Imagine just for a moment that we're out driving about, and uh, we, we find ourselves encountering a funeral procession. You know, there's a line of cars going slowly, four-way flashers going, the, the little funeral signs, uh, funeral home signs on the car, and at the front is the hearse. And in that moment, there's a part of us that's, that can acknowledge that there's something sad happening. It's an, almost an intellectual thing. Because we don't necessarily know the person, we don't know the story, but we can know that there's something sad that's happening here. I think that's sort of the first step of this progression that we see in this in this passage that we just read here. Is that Jesus and his friends are are coming into town and they encounter this funeral procession, and maybe they don't know anything right away, but there's a, there's a sense of yeah, it's sad. But then the way that this verse lays out this it, it progresses on purpose to help us understand the de- the gravity of this this situation. The situation gets sadder. We're told that the deceased is the only son of this mother. Okay, that's heartbreaking. We can envision ourselves losing a loved one too, right? And then it goes even further and we're told that this woman is a widow. Okay, wait. This situation is not just very sad. This situation is desperate. It's hard. She's lost her only son and she's lost her husband. And we're supposed to find ourselves thinking about how serious this woman's situation is and how she has no one left to support her. Because in, in the first century, your family was your source of safety, your source of provision. And husbands and, and sons bore, the, uh, bore that responsibility. But for this woman, all those people were gone. She's extremely vulnerable. And seeing the situation in front of her, Jesus, uh, Luke tells us that Jesus' heart went out to her. In other words, he entered into her pain, he entered into her experience, recognizing what the situation was and how serious it was, and that's compassion is what led him to act in response to her needs and to bring her son back from the dead. You know, sometimes we, we, we don't think, you know, we don't want to get too emotional, do we? Emotion can be seen as a sign of weakness, but there's nothing wrong with being moved by emotion to meet the needs of other people. In fact, Jesus seems to do this quite a bit. So the question this morning is, what are we supposed to do with this, what we've talked about? What are we supposed to do with this this morning? Let me, let me give three closing thoughts. I'm sure if you want to discuss this later with the, with the folks at your table, uh, you know, at home or in small group or just wherever, I'm sure you'll come up with, a, with some other things that we can, you know, act on what we've talked about this morning. But here's, some, here's some, a couple closing thoughts. The first is to reflect on God's compassion. Yeah, that's been the main theme this morning as we've been talking about uh, compassion being a key way that we understand who God is and what God is all about. He is compassionate. And so one of the things that we can do this week, we should do this week, is to spend some time reflecting on God's compassionate character. Now, so for some of us who have been followers of Jesus perhaps for years, you know, the temptation might be for us to say, Yeah, yeah, I know this already. But sometimes we need to be reminded of the things we think we already know. And so the invitation for us is to sit with this and to let the reality of God's compassion sink in and for us to to reflect and and to let it sink in and, and, and to reflect on what it might mean for our relationship with God and what it might mean for our relationship with others. You know, for others of us, we aren't sure what we think about God. We aren't sure what we think about Jesus. We aren't sure what we think of this church thing. And so maybe the invitation for us is just, is just to entertain this what if kind of question. What if God is actually compassionate like we've been talking about God this morning? What if that is true? And if that is true, how might that direct your spiritual journey? Just Maybe just to ask yourself that hypothetical question. Now, when we talk about reflecting on this, I'm going to point you in the direction of the verses that we've used this morning. They're all in the notes. You can look them up uh, either on our app right now or you look them up when they get posted on the blog uh, in a couple of days' time. Um, and those verses are there, and I invite you just to sit down and to read them and to read them slowly and just to reflect on what they might mean. You can use that for your reflection time this week. The second thing that I thought is to grow in our awareness, you know, in order to have compassion towards other people, we need to be growing in our awareness of the, sto- of the stories of other people. Now, I do re- recognize that we are inundated with all sorts of, of stories and news all the time, and for sometimes the wise thing to do is to step back for our own mental well-being, but we can't live removed. Because in order to be uh, resp- to be compassionate, you know, we can't put our heads in the sand, and we can't be ignorant. Rather, we need to remember being broken hearteds about the things happening in our world is not a bad thing. You know, we should be brokenhearted by some of the situations that we encounter. We shouldn't be okay with some of the situations we encounter. And an example of, the, of one way that some of us grew in our awareness uh, of what's going on in our, in our world, some of the issues, some of the struggles, uh, something that some of us did last week, last Sunday here, is we had an, we had a learning time together where we reflected on uh, the residential, the experiences of some of our indigenous brothers and sisters in the residential schools. And we had a virtual tour and there was about 50 of us here. Uh, half of us were from Pathway BIC, the other half were from uh, West Heights. And some of the comments that were made was that, you know what? Like, we didn't know. We didn't know the stories of our indigenous brothers and sisters. And so that rate right there was an intentional opportunity to grow in our, in our understanding of what somebody else's experience has been and will lead to a better, more loving, more compassionate responses going forward because we know. Third, act on the promptings of our heart. You know, awareness is great, but it comes up empty if it doesn't turn into action in some way. And so at some point this week, we may find ourselves having encountered a need. You know, whether it be somebody in our family, whether it be one of our neighbors, whether it be one of the bigger things that are going on in our world today in or in our, in our region today. Uh, we're going to encounter something. And when we do, can I encourage us to listen to our hearts and to take, you know, allow our feelings even to direct us and to listen to them. Don't just kind of shove them off to the side, but to listen to what our feelings might be saying and to allow compassion to grow in us and to direct our actions. And so maybe we might find ourselves reaching out to somebody that's maybe going through a difficult time we we find ourselves asking, hey, how can I help? How can I respond to this situation that I've just become aware of? What, what can I do? What can I give? How can I be present? How, what can I go without so that somebody else can have something that they need? And some of these actions are going to feel small. But some of them are going to feel rather big. But it starts with following, taking that step, taking the action of, what, of our feelings as we become aware of something and, and responding to that prompt. Because here's the thing, if we ignore that prompt, we are allowing ourselves to go numb. This is, what, this is part of what hardness of heart means, is that we are ignoring how God is prompting us in our hearts, how the Spirit is moving. And so we need to be paying attention to those. And as I'm going to wrap that up this morning, there leave that there. Next week we're going to pick this up and we're going to talk about, you know, what motivates us in terms of, you know, how does our acts of service, how do, when we engage in, in, in being, doing things that are compassionate, how does that help point people to God? And not in like, you hear, you need to sit down and listen to my presentation before I give you something sort of way. But in, that is who we are as followers of Jesus. That who we are points people to Jesus. Anyways, we're going to talk about that next week. Please join me in prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to sit and to reflect together. And Lord, um, my prayer this morning is that as we go from here, that you would cause things to stick that are important, that we needed to hear. And Lord, if there's some fluff this morning, that that would just kind of float away. But Lord, that we would just have one nugget that we can, we can go with that sticks to our souls this morning and in the week ahead lord thank you for the opportunities that you give us thank you for hearts that feel the brokenness that is around us thank you for the people that step into our lives when we are not doing so good ourselves thank you that you are compassionate that you are merciful that you are loving lord help us to reflect that in our relationships this week in your name we pray amen